Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. We've got a great show for you today. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I'm a neurologist, pain specialist, and sports medicine doctor practicing out of the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We have offices in Ridley Park and also Wilmington, Delaware. Should you desire a consultation for concussion or pain management, work injury, car accident, sports injuries of any sort, we have a whole team. We have five doctors and 30 staff members to serve you. Please call us, 610-521-6063. Well, we've got a great eclectic show today. We just finished at Bruce's Sports Talk attending a great conference hosted by our dear friend, the team physician of the Baltimore Ravens and the Baltimore Orioles. That would be Kevin Crutchfield, MD, a fellow neurologist who is a director of the Comprehensive Sports Concussion Program and... Kevin himself was the host with the most at the Berman Brain and Spine Institute at Sinai Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. This was on January 28th of 2012, and what an all-star lineup Kevin had. And during this first segment, I want to go over some of the highlights of this particular conference. The morning session was punctuated by Dr. Bob Cantu who is a clinical professor at the Boston University School of Medicine. Dr. Cantu, along with Ann McGee, certainly spearheads the most prominent group of neurosurgeons and neuropathologists relating to the diagnosis of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and they had the privilege of sectioning the brains of several former NFL stars including Andre Waters, Mike Webster, and Dave Dorson of our own Voice America Sports. And this group of people has taken the lead in showing that cumulative head trauma in the NFL gives rise to a very special condition called chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Of the 52 confirmed cases of CTE, 47, that is 90%, occurred in athletes. 41 boxers, and five professional football players. While CTE is most common in athletes, 
Many patients are susceptible, such as accidental blows from moving objects, motor vehicle accidents, and military veterans. One of the questions I was asked on Legacy TV at the Super Bowl by Ray Ellis is, what should the retired players begin to look for? What are the first signs of CTE? Well, firstly, the onset of CTE is often five to eight years after the players retire from the league. And they're often insidious, beginning with memory impairment, personality change, behavioral and mood disturbance in midlife. These are not old players. These are typically people in their 40s. Regrettably, the only way to confirm CTE is at autopsy, and the pathologic findings include infiltration of what we call TAU-associated proteins within the brain. And if we look at a normal slice of a brain, there's a dramatic difference between a brain with CTE and the normal control brain. And this is called TAU-immunoreactive neurofibrillary tangles. That's a mouthful. But essentially, deposits that are easy to see and stain for in section and certainly... Many of the uh, players who have uh, whose families actually donated their brains, John Grimsley, Mike Borich, Mike Webster, Andre Waters, and most recently the case history of Dave Dorson, are all people whose family wishes drove the decision to submit the brains to the brain the brain bank of Boston University Hospital. Let's pay tribute to Dave Dorson. Following his NFL career, he was very successful in the food supply industry. Though, he hit a point where he had difficulty with emotional problems, work, and financial difficulties. His general health, however, was very good. He had no substance abuse, and before his playing days, had no genetic history of depression or other psychiatric difficulties. In essence, sadly... He was a perfect control to study this entity. His traumatic brain trauma exposure included an 11-year NFL career. He had long-standing complaints of headaches, and over the five years prior to his death, he had worsening short-term memory difficulties, problems with language and vision, and uncharacteristically became out of control. Short fuse, hot-tempered, physically and verbally abusive. So the message is, well, you and the listening audience, regrettably, maybe retired NFL players, retired athletes, boxers, etc., and you fall into a deep depression and have memory loss, please reach out to the professionals, whether it be us on the East Coast, Boston University, if you're out at UCLA, a wonderful center, down in Miami, Jackson Memorial, there are centers all over the country. So please don't look to suicide as an answer. Help is available anytime, anywhere. And in fact, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-4889. So going back to Dr. Cantu's talk, he notes that every traumatic brain injury starts as a concussion. And we often use the words mild traumatic brain injury. 
And the question is, what's so mild about mild traumatic brain injury? The answer is not very much. When we're talking about the brain, we're talking about a very fragile structure. So using the word mild to categorize it, I think is a misnomer. Following a brain injury, there are certain metabolic agents that can protect the brain. One is lactate, improves functional outcomes and spares glucose. Pyruvic acid, I'm sorry, pyruvic acid, uptake and reduces the lesion side. And also beta-hydroxybutyrate. And this was shown most recently by Prinz et al. in 2004-2005. Also, hypothermia, that is low temperature, is certainly protective, neuroprotective, against the severity of the brain trauma. And most recently, there's some evidence to suggest that hyperbaric oxygen following traumatic brain injury may help replenish neurons that might be flickering on the edge and seems to be helpful. However, the, the studies are too small and we don't have a good randomized perspective study for hyperbaric oxygen and concussion and traumatic brain injury. Hopefully we'll see that in the near future. Following Dr. Cantu's talk, we had a talk by an engineer, Jonathan Beckwith, from Simbex, and this is a company that studies the biomechanics of head impact. It actually has helmet sensors, which are not on the outside of the helmet, but are actually attached via spring control to the brains of actual football players at games. And they actually record G-forces of different parts of the brains, and Therefore, they can quantitate, which means uh, put a number on how hard the hit is. And through this very interesting talk, again, we're referring to the symposium at Sinai Hospital, which is current science and management of concussion. Mr. Beckwith outlined some position-specific areas of head injuries. With respect to college football players, 75% of them had greater than 217%, I'm sorry, had greater than 217 substantial hits. Over half of these players had 420 hits. Now we get to the minority of those who had the most hits. 25% had, seven, had 728 substantial collision impacts, and regrettably 10% had greater than 1,000 substantial impacts as measured by the Simbex. We, we need to give them credit. That's S-I-M-B-E-X system. We learned that linemen tend to have their hits directed to the frontal parts of their brains, which makes sense because they're going forward. Quarterbacks tend to be hit. The most substantial impacts were from behind. So the posterior parts, the back part of their brain, tended to suffer the substantial amount of impacts, and with respect to special teams players, no surprise because that's a very random type of play where people are getting hit from all over. Uh, all parts of the patient's brains, that is special teams players, were found to receive substantial impacts. So now that we have some early data with respect to the amount of hits, we may be able to start accumulating some information to draw conclusions about a critical burden, that is, 
a critical burden of hits for a player within a season. And we may develop some guidelines for either shutting him down entirely or minimizing the contact. And the goal, of course, is to learn, is to replace myths with facts. And by using scientific physical sensors, certainly the Simbex company and Mr. Beckwith are literally advancing the ball in our understanding of the biomechanics of football, college football and pro football. And the goal, of course, is to make the game safer for all players of all age, beginning at Pee Wee and leading up, of course, to the professional athletes in the NFL. This concludes the first segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. Stay tuned. The last three segments will be a tribute to the Super Bowl teams, the New England Patriots and the New York Giants, and finally culminating in a recap of Super Bowl 46 in Indianapolis. I was pleased to attend the game with Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, my son, and stay tuned as Bruce the Sports Doc rolls on. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is Wiz City. It's the next segment of The Wiz City. And for all your listeners of Bruce's Sports Talk, we're here from Indianapolis, 
simulcasting segment two, Bruce the Sports Doc, with our lead, biggest Giants fan of all, Mr. Spencer Grossinger. Season recap leading up to a game summary and take it away, Spence. Find it appropriate the two boys who went to Indianapolis will be here. And, uh, you know, it's great to combine both fan bases, both Bruce the Sports Doc and Wiz City fans and, uh, and everyone's chillaxing. And, uh, I guess we're in Wiz City. Bruce the Sports Doc is visiting, but also I'm in the land of Bruce the Sports Doc, right? Absolutely. And I think this is a perfect time to, uh, to celebrate the two directors of the respective networks. Firstly, uh, I want to thank Ray Ellis for having me on the air on Legacy Television. And I thank Spencer for attending the event. It was certainly a very moving tribute to David Dorson, formerly of Voice America Sports, and also Chicago Bears Super Bowl champion 1985. We talked about how he uh, essentially was was diagnosed with chronic traumatic encephalopathy with a post-mortem confirmation at Boston University and how we will never forget Dave Dorson, and we showed a nice 91-second clip, and Ray Ellison and myself uh, paid tribute to Dave Dorson as well as the other fallen victims of CTE, and we spent a 12-minute segment on television, actually, on Saturday of the Super Bowl, and certainly Spencer was there with Vernon Davis, who was also promoting his own charity, and so we want to certainly thank, I want to thank Ray Ellis, and I also want to thank Jeff Spinard, the president of the network, and of course, Perry Demote. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to relay that message. Um, you know, just going to that alumni party and uh, seeing how Voice America has really grown over the past year. It was so amazing to collaborate with fellow Voice America, fellow Voice America, uh, show hosts. And I met so many amazing people, um, at the network. And, uh, I just had a, I just had a ball and I just want to thank Ray Ellis for inviting me. Th- and my dad to the event and I was so proud of my dad and Ray they did such a great segment on television and it was so fun to see uh to see Ray Ellis and my dad uh actually on the Voice America television network so now we're expanding in the TV and that was very exciting to see there was also a big time celebrity that Voice America had in Vernon Davis tight end for the 49ers that was also um talking about his charity and talking about the NFL season Jeff Spinard um just a great president of Voice America and you know we're we're thankful to have him leading Voice America and as our president and of course Perry Demone I just want to thank you you've been with me every step of the way through this process and uh I, I just love you know working with the people of Voice America it's just been a great experience um right now um we're going to talk um about the New York Giants and I think it's appropriate that we talk about them in this segment um and I think we're going to just talk about the ups and downs of the regular season we're going to go step step by step through the stages of the New York Giants right now in the preseason you have um Thomas goes down remember that cornerback Terrell Thomas gets injured he has a torn ACL. He he's out for the season, um, and 
you all, the Giants this this offseason also lost Steve Smith, who's a talented wide receiver in the slot, and they also lost their tight end, their starting tight end, Kevin Boss, to the Raiders. Kind of just let him go and let him go out there on the market. And a lot of Giants fans, including myself, were like, who's going to step in to really fill the, those voids or those holes now in the team? At, you know, the Giants were picked to finish, I'd say, at the bottom of the NFC East. You had the Philadelphia Eagles, who were the powerhouse dream team, Dallas Cowboys. And then even the Redskins, you know, Rex Grossman had a lot of confidence. I remember on Twitter during the summer, he expected the Redskins to actually win the NFC East. And the first game, I remember, was a 415, games, 415 game um, at FedEx Field in Landover versus the Washington Redskins, which are one of the weaker teams in the NFC East. And... uh a team that uh, you know, a Super Bowl team should be able to beat. Um, you know, Washington's a tough place to play, but it was twenty-eight to fourteen. Well, I remember we watched the game at the sports bar at the uh, at the famous Kaminsky Sports Bar in Haverford, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and it was uh, you know the anticipation of the new season. Fall was in the air, and I know you're excited about your team, but when you saw your team get shellacked by. Uh, None over then. Rex Grossman, that it looked like it could be a very long season. Absolutely. Rex Grossman didn't only beat our team, he torched our team. We made Rex Grossman look like Montana that day. And, and, and for the second half, I was even laughing and saying, wow, Rex Grossman is completely balling us out of Washington, D.C. And that was not an encouraging sign to see our D get torched like that. So right off the bat, you're thinking, you know, the, the critics are right. The Giants are, might have a rebuilding year, right? Then, you have a Monday night football game, Giants Stadium kicking off the season, St. Louis Rams. Giants win this one 28-16, but the Rams, they they were not that stellar. And to say it was a disappointing year in St. Louis. And, you know, the Giants won it 28-16. Manning only threw for 223 yards, Bradshaw 59 yards. If you watch this game, the Giants were pretty much punting the ball to St. Louis. They got a defensive touchdown on a, on a play where the Rams tried to screen pass and they ran it back. But overall, it wasn't such a great win. It was kind of just an eh win. The performance wasn't so dominating. You're playing a team in St. Louis that was going through a, a rebuilding year and that were missing some pieces to their team. So the Giants got the W here, but it, it was kind of like, you know, Eli didn't really perform that well and the chemistry on offense really wasn't working. At least the D stepped up. Now you have the showdown. This is, this is enough, this is a huge turning point game. Um, this is one of the landmarks of the season, definitely. Um, you have the Philadelphia Eagles, the dream team. They played great in Atlanta the week before the Philadelphia Eagles. Michael Vick got injured in the third quarter. Matt Ryan actually had a stellar fourth quarter comeback. They won 34-31 to um, over the Eagles. But the Eagles beat St. Louis on the road in St. Louis. Their offense was flying on all cylinders. The Eagles were favored by 13 points versus these Giants that, again, were fought to be in a rebuilding year and missing parts. And then, of course... Um, Mario Manningham gets hurt, and this native from Patterson actually gets a shot. His name is Victor Cruz. Cruz, 
Cruz. So you have Namdi Asamoah, who's probably the second best cornerback in the NFL. Um, just got signed with a huge contract over the summer. You look at this Eagles secondary, Dominique Rogers cromartie from Arizona. You're thinking that the Giants D can't stop Michael Vick and the Eagles offense that's healthy. Eagles are favored by 13. Guess what happens? First drive of the game, Manning hits um, Brandon Jacobs on a blown screen, on a blown defense. Manning floats it over to Jacobs, 40-yard touchdown. G-men take a seven-nothing lead, and then here comes a play that might change Victor Cruz's career. I'll announce the play. Manning back in the gun from the 30-yard line. Here it goes. It's a screen pass to Victor Cruz. Cruz out of the backfield. Cruz has some blockers out in front of him. Oh, Cruz is going down the sidelines. Has Asamoah. Jukes out Asamoah. Cruz could be going to the house. Victor Cruz, 80 yards. Are you kidding me? That screen pass, folks, I was in the link, and you guys know all know I'm a Giants fan. And that play, even though I was in hostile Eagles territory, I couldn't help myself but get up and just start dancing with Victor Cruz and doing the salsa as he just took one 80 yards. This this no-name, you know, rookie play not a rookie player, but this no-name guy just juked out Namdi Asamoah. Are you kidding me? 14-0 Giants on the road. Then later in the game in the four quarter Manning tosses it up Victor Cruz mosses Namdi Asamoah you're thinking Victor Cruz like you know is this just a fluke is this one game or who is this guy and uh this is really his coming out party and they beat the Eagles well certainly this game there was a lot of ups and downs for the Eagles um in my view during the mid part of the season the first part of the season the Eagles you know, blew five fourth quarter leads, which is it, which is an NFL record. And on the same, in the same interval of events, the Giants actually had, and Eli Manning engineered five come from behind victories throughout the whole year, seven, which was a, a league record come from behind victories. So we see teams, in my view, going in different directions. You see when the Giants had to win, when there was no margin for error, the Giants played flawless football. Right, so the Giants go on and have a huge upset win, 29-16 in Philly. Now Giants faithful starting to think we have something here. The deep played well, forced turnovers on Vic. Speaking of come from behind, perfectly leading into our next game in the desert in Arizona. Giants are actually down here. They're down here... Um, 27 to 17. I remember this. There are five minutes left in this football game, and we were actually in an airport in, in Florida. We were coming home, and uh, we were following the game on GameCast. And you saw the Cardinals go up 27 to 17. What were you thinking when the Cardinals were up by 10? You were thinking, oh, the Giants just blew one, you know, in Arizona. Weren't you thinking that? I was thinking that, but as it turns out, the Giants had yet another come from behind victory. Yes, and that that is per, that is true. Manning um, hit Hakeem Nicks, 
And uh, and the Giants coming down from 10 points scored two touchdowns. Manning hit Cruz, and then Manning hit Hakeem Nicks. And uh, people will remember the controversial call where Cruz actually went down by himself, fumbled the ball into the turf, but they called him down by contact. Manning, this was a huge win um, to get the Giants to 4-1. and one. And now you see that the Giants are off to another hot start and have a chance in the NFC East. We're up against the break. We're continuing. We're in the middle of the season. We're going through it. The Giants Super Bowl run. We're recapping the whole road to glory of the New York Giants. Just getting started here. Super Bowl roundup with City. Bruce the Sports Talk. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And we're here to recap Super Bowl 46. We're here with our usual guest analyst and number one New York Giants fan, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger. And we're here to break down the game, to look at the season, and to look at the perspective of the 2011-2012 season. Welcome to the show, Spence. Thanks, Dad. It's great to be on the show, especially with this new uh, with this new furry mic we got here. It's pretty. It's pretty hip. 
When the world throws you a Jeffrey, stroke the furry walls. The furry walls. Um, well, we can talk about Jeffrey's for a while, but I really want to talk about the Super Bowl, and I've been so hype on, uh, on, you know, coming on the show today and, uh, talking about the New York Giants, cause that's definitely something I can talk about for a very long time, and, uh, I definitely, uh, and we, you know, I think I'm a reasonable source of information. I'm a, you know, I'm pretty much a diehard Giants fan and, uh, I watch, uh, I watch every game that they play and I've been a huge fan since the age of eight. And, uh, you know, throughout your childhood, you go through ups and downs, but the Giants are always there for me on Sunday. And, uh, they're one of the things that have stayed consistent throughout my childhood are these New York Giants and going to the Super Bowl together with Bruce the Sports Doc in Indianapolis was one of the top five days of my life. And and uh, I can't wait to talk about the Super Bowl run and uh, and what we have to talk about on the show. So um, here I'm going to pass it back to the host, Bruce the Sports Doc. Well, let's go back to it. We were there, beautiful indoor stadium in Indianapolis. We were there in section 226, row 18, seats 3 and 4. And you, in fact, were a side seat four. And before we get into the nuances of the game, we I know that you were uh, a little bit afraid of jinxing yourself with respect to all of the possible ways the number four would relate to the Super Bowl run and the victory for the Giants. And, in fact, you knew you had confidence in Eli Manning the whole time. And we were watching the game there was certainly a mixture of Patriots and Giants fans around. Near the end of the fourth quarter, you just kept on saying the same thing. The year of four. And you also talked about trusting. I believe in Eli. I believe in Eli. I believe Eli can fly. I believe he can touch the sky. Yeah, you were saying something like that. Absolutely. I was also slapping the bass a little bit, a little Paul Rudd slapping the bass. Wasn't I doing that a little you bit? You were slapping the bass, slapping the bass. Slapping the bass, man. Slapping the bass. So anyway, I was dancing, and and even when the Giants like had to kick a field goal or punt, I, I was still you know having fun with the Patriots and Giants fans. I was still up there dancing, still standing on my seat, and just having a great time because you're at the Super Bowl, and in that moment, you just have to enjoy the opportunity that this opposes and being at the top of the sport and really the whole world's watching you in Lucas Oil Stadium. Well, maybe not you yourself, but the players on the field. And it's just a moment you just have to enjoy. And during the last um, two minutes, Dad, how many words did I say in those last two minutes? You really said nothing. And I think that that is certainly your pension, you know, watching the mm -hmm. games. If there's a really important game, when you get to the last two minutes, I think you really concentrate, yeah. not say anything. And and I understand, particularly when the Giants were on offense, you don't like to say anything. Yeah. But when they're on defense, certainly on third down, we believe, certainly me being an Eagles fan, you being a Giants fan, 
Uh, we believe in standing up on third down and, 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 oh, and yeah. shouting for the defense. Because just being, just distracting. And I think that offense. at times there were some fans that were a little bit corporate in our section. Mm-hmm. And of course, my team wasn't there, so I was rooting. I'm a professional fan. So the, the Giants hired me to root for <laughs> the Giants. You're, my goal was to like get a, people out you're of like the a seat. Yes, DJ, like a kid's bar mitzvah. You could rent me out for, like for, for the Super Bowl. Yeah, but, uh, rented you out. But what we want to talk about is. The rule of fours and all of the way the number four related to the Super Bowl victory. And I wanted you to talk about this before, but you didn't really want to jinx your team. Absolutely. So now you want to hear without any truncation or any shortening of it. Let's hear the magic of four. Well, this is my first time going public with the uh, with the rule of four. And it's it's very uh you know, it's it's very exciting to, uh, you know, I'm a big Giants fan, and of course I have some free time to come up with this, uh, you know, with this theory and hypothesis. And of course you have to give credit to the Giants for winning the Super Bowl, and you have to give credit to these professional athletes and these football players on the Giants. But as a, as a fan, you know, you just look at the nuances of the game and you look beyond the sidelines and you look into history. And, and I just love to have fun because I'm just a huge football fan and a huge New York Giants junkie and NFL junkie and uh and I kind of connected the dots and uh and now on Bruce's Sports Talk we're going to unveil the game the year of 4 and uh, I'm also going to do it on my show with City coming up later but right now Bruce's Sports Talk are you ready to play the year of 4 <laughs> it's pretty simple uh yes I am ready to play <laughs> okay wonderful you're just going to have to answer the question with the course with the number that you believe is the correct number. Which seed were the Giants placed in the NFC? Which seed were they? Uh, let me think. Um, four. <laughs> okay. Um, what what number is Ahmad Bradshaw, the guy who scored the winning touchdown for the Giants? Uh, forty-four. Correct. How much? Twenty. The Giants won the football game twenty-one to seventeen. What's the difference in that score? Four. The Giants won three Super Bowls going into this year. This year made it their fourth Super Bowl. Right on. You look at 2007. You look at the Patriots 18 and one. You look at David Tyrese catch. The Giants beat the Patriots four years ago. The rematch came four years after that rematch. The Giants won it. Um, the Giants had to win four games to win this Super Bowl. And I, I think it's pretty interesting that their fourth Super Bowl is four years from that exact date with the Patriots, with the exact same team, the exact same white away jerseys, the exact same time of playing a six o'clock on a Sunday in the NFC, in the NFC conference championship game and winning on a walk off field goal the same way that they beat Green Bay in overtime. Also beating Green Bay and Lambeau. So the year of four, and and I sat in row number four, and I've been hype on the year of four. And 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 to tell you the truth, numbers like that actually don't pop up often. You know that we get the fourth playoff seed. Um, you know we're the lowest divisional champion. We host one playoff game. We win four playoff games. Ahmad Bradshaw then in the Super Bowl. I had a really good hypothesis going about the year of four, but I added two more hypotheses. 
Bradshaw, you know, we were joking before the game that I had seat number four and I told, you know, my my father and my close friends about the year four, but of course I didn't want to jinx anything. And of course I give credit to the Giants for beating, you know, New England and winning the Super Bowl. But the year fours was definitely a fun fact. But it was amazing how Bradshaw scored a touchdown to go up um twenty one to seventeen and he's number forty four and we were joking saying, Well, I'm if he gets the MVP. Well Bradshaw scored the winning touchdown and you know knowing me like during the game I was thinking hey kick a kick an extra point we'll have 22 to 17 because the Giants scored two plus two will equal four as the end result but then I realized as the two-point conversion failed that it was 21 to 17 a four-point difference so I just thought that that was just unbelievable how the numbers matched up like that and even though the game was a little silly like we all knew the answer to the question would be four you know even you know a little kid could have guessed those correct answers I still think that the parallels of the of the year of four are very interesting and it's fun to talk about that um, that special you know um, that special click in this special year of four. Um, for the New York Giants. Well, let me add one more thing, because we were watching it together, and the thing that was most spontaneous was the most important play in the whole game occurred with four exactly four minutes left, not 3.59, not 4.01. We were but we were, we were looking at the clock, and it was exactly four minutes left in the fourth quarter in the most pivotal play of the game. The, the, the Patriots had the ball, and you just knew on the forty-four yard, and, line. and they also had it on the forty-four yard line. How crazy! No is that? doubt. And so this is the play. Watch was almost play. like not like not being hyper religious, but it was almost like the hand of God came out. It was a play that that Tom Brady went back. Wesley Walker was wide open, and it, it a ball was thrown, which was very catchable. He got both hands on it, and it was almost like the hand of God came out. It swatted the ball away from Wesley and Walker. Also made his throw inaccurate, you know, to the wrong shoulder. You know, I think Brady could have put it on the right shoulder if he threw it his hardest pass. And and you know, we were looking at that, and then it became fourth down, ball on the forty-four yard line, four minutes left. We started tingling in our seats, me and my dad. We started jumping up and kind of saying. It could happen, you know, and we were smiling to each other and saying, oh my gosh, if the Giants win this game, how, what a coincidence that would be. So that, that was just a, uh, <laughs> it was just, you know, something that you laugh about definitely. And, uh, you know, and it was interesting how they couldn't execute that play. Um, but you know, it was good D on the Giants part. And you, you, you know, even though this year four thing was looming over, I don't think it's lucky or I don't think that it was a fluke that the Giants won the Super Bowl, you know. Well, we are going to uh, sign off. We're actually we're actually going to simulcast that segment. I liked it a lot, and we're gonna we're gonna use an intro for you for your uh, for your show. Appreciate that uh, because I thought that was a good segment. You know, for both of us, a good lead in for both of our shows. Absolutely. So I'm going to let you sign off at the end of the segment, and uh, then then we're going to uh, move into segment number two of simulcast. Bruce, the sports doc, with it. flagship station for sports voice america sports 
Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life. From Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. With City. Bruce the Sports Doc. Simocast. This is the fourth and final segment, the climactic segment. We're chilling out here, Bruce the Sports Doc. We're recapping the Giants Super Bowl run. And uh we're recap right now we're in um we're actually in the last week of the season. And pretty much, you know, this um this was pretty much playoff football for the Giants because they had to continue to win games. And I remember I was lucky enough to be at this game. And it was it was the best regular season game in the new stadium by far. Sunday night primetime last week of the season. A great way to kick off NFL playoff season. But this was the last game of the regular season. A playoff game. All in. Go. Uh, either you go on to the playoffs or you stay at home. Giants go out there. Victor Cruz, 70-yard touchdown. Defense plays well against sacking Romo, 31-14. to The Meadowlands is going crazy. They're coming back next week. Big tailgating Sunday versus Atlanta. Then we all remember what happens versus Atlanta. The, the Giants defense pretty much shuts out Atlanta. Atlanta did get a safety on the Giants offense in the first half. Giants offense very slow to get off to things. You have to give Atlanta credit. But the Giants defense and their defensive line, I'm sure like the fans that are listening, if you watch this football game, you can just see how intimidating the Giants defense looked. And Matt Ryan was all bottled up the whole game. Giants rolled Atlanta here 24-2. They were on a freight train and that freight train was headed right up to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And football's about a game of momentum. And right now, the Giants are hitting their stride right now. I knew their, their defense was in place. I knew that Hakeem Nix was rolling Victor Cruz, Manningham, Eli, Jake Ballard, the running backs. Their offense was rolling. Defense 
finally has gotten it together. Their their secondary was playing well, not giving up mistakes, but their D-line just could not be stopped. And uh, then they went up to Green Bay. We remember the Hail Mary, um, you know, last play of the half where Hakeem Nicks came down with that football. Giants forced five turnovers, stripping the ball, just unbelievable. Their secondary here, just, you know, they didn't give up any mistakes. Not a pass over 20 yards. And I will, I want you to remember that, um, that fact from this game. Aaron Rodgers did not throw one pass. The most powerful passing offense in the league. The league MVP. 15 and 1, folks, the Green Bay Packers. And they couldn't get at one throw over 15 yards. Now, I know Aaron Rodgers wanted to have some throws back, but the Giants defense, that just describes them. Not one pass over 20 yards. They come in here. They went 37 to 20, a 17 point victory. They're headed at, they're headed now west to San Francisco. And I was nervous about the Giants playing San Francisco. You know, as a football fan, I knew how great San Francisco's D was. I even, you know, people were look, you know, even Giants fans were talking to me and saying, why wouldn't you want to, why would you want to go, um, play um, San Francisco because I actually wanted to play New Orleans but a lot of Giants fans were excited to play San Francisco because they say hey it's it's not Drew Brees it's Alex Smith and even though Alex Smith is a, is a good quarterback he's not up to the caliber of a Drew Brees who could be a Hall of Famer and who was torching people but I knew that San Francisco's defense was scary, and I would have rather gone up against New Orleans defense, who we did score 24 points on in the regular season, than go against San Francisco's in Candlestick Park, and that game was an absolute war out there. You saw Eli's jersey, it was all red, just a lot of cuts and bruises, blood, sweat, and tears. You know, the Giants played well on special teams. They got a few breaks on special teams from the 49ers. Were able to scrape out a win. The Giants D also great, making the, the San Francisco offense go 1-13 on third downs. And then Lawrence Tynes kicked the field goal, and the Giants were headed to the Super Bowl to play New England. Great recap. And without any further ado, let's put ourselves in Indianapolis. We're there in the end zone. The hype is over, and we have a four-year rematch, Tom Brady against Eli Manning. Yeah, you know, it was a great showdown between two teams, and this time the Giants were not favored. The Patriots still were favored, but the Patriots just came off a game against Baltimore where uh, Tom Brady said he didn't play well. He threw two interceptions. You look at the Giants' receiving core, um, and the Patriots' secondary this year, like during the regular season, they weren't very good. Um, they get they gave up a lot of big plays, but you knew Bill Belichick in this defense would be pretty solid. And a lot of people were expecting a really high scoring game. I was expecting an intermediate game because I knew Bill Belichick. I know how he prepares, and I know that his defense was capable of playing good, solid football and getting the Giants off the field on third downs. So what did you think going into the game? Because the difference between this game and 2007 was 2007, it was pure David versus Goliath. You had one of the best teams ever, possibly, in my book, I'd say like the best team of all time. An 18-0 team with Tom Brady, Randy Moss, a complete juggernaut, Teddy Bruschi, Richard Seymour. That defense was unbelievable. They had absolutely no holes. The Giants in that game in Glendale, Arizona, when the Patriots were 18-0 in 2007, was just kind of like a pushover game you know people were probably going to remember the Giants as a runner-up that was just there to, to just just playing in the Super Bowl just going through the motions and everyone would remember the 19-0 Patriots 
championship ending and going into immortality as an undefeated team. But the way that Tyree caught that ball and Eli Manning and that game, just that, that catch, just you can't describe it. Um, you won't see that ever again. An 18 and 0 team probably getting defeated and a guy catching the ball in his ear. I mean, it, it makes me laugh. It was just, it, you know, as a Giants fan, it was just a magical day that one. But this one, I thought the Giants had a more realistic chance. I thought we could t- attack their defense. I thought teams were both evenly matched, unlike 07, where it was the complete polar opposite of even. Well, you remember we had the uh, Super Bowl preview? And uh, in many ways, our predictions came true. I stated that one of two things would happen. Either A, the Patriots would get off to a really hot start, and they would just smoke the Giants, and they would get a big lead, and the Giants wouldn't be able to come back. That was certainly one scenario. The other scenario was the one that actually played out. It was like, it reminds me of Ali Fraser back in the old days. It was one, it was one big heavyweight knocking the other one to the canvas, and the other one... Getting up. Certainly, in this game, the Giants got off uh, to the early lead. But then, and there were two records. Uh, Eli Manning started off the game throwing, I think it was nine, nine. Not, nine straight passes. However, in the middle of the game, Tom Brady reeled off 16 straight completions. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing about the Super Bowl is that both teams played great. You got to see a wonderful game. Both quarterbacks played well. And what I was thinking when I was watching the game is whoever has the ball at the end, uh, it's, it's almost like a hot potato. Whoever has the ball at the end will win the game. And it just turned out that the Giants did manage the clock. They did dominate time of possession in the first half, which I think was important. But certainly, in my view, the play of the game was uh, in every time when Eli was backed into a quarter and the Giants had to make a play, they were precise. And this was the play where Eli went back and threw about a 35-yard pass down the left sideline. And watching it in real time, it looked like Manningham could not possibly have kept his feet in. It was right on the edge, and it was a quick play. And then there was a big delay, and one of the climactic parts of the game is when the referee ran in and signaled the catch of the sidelines. Shortly followed by Belichick reviewing the play, and then us in the in the dome were able to watch the replay numerous times, numerous times, and you saw the way his feet, like a ballerina, were right there together, right inbounds, and somehow managed to catch the ball, and also, in that way, keep the drive alive. Yeah, you know, that play to Manningham really sparked the Giants' drive, and uh, there are a lot of comparisons made to the play in 07 with Tyree and his catch and how they sparked the touchdown drives. And, uh, you know, different plays, you know, in 07, Manning, like, of course, really famous for getting out of the rush and Tyree's catch um, where he had to catch it over Rodney Harrison. This one, the execution on this play, there was absolutely zero um What's the word? You, there was no point of error. What's the word, um, actually? I'm margin sorry. of error. Marge, exactly. No margin of error. Double. Well, you have single coverage on the outside. The corner does a great job of making Manningham go outside. Manning's first two reads are to the right side. He's looking for Victor Cruz and Hakeem Nix. They're both guarded very tightly and very well. Eli has to step up in the pocket because the rush is coming around him. In a blink of an eye... 
he goes to his third read. And he throws the ball pretty much at the same time that he's reading the play. And you have the safety coming over the top. He's running full speed. The ball has to be thrown immediately at that time. It has to be thrown with the right trajectory to get over the cornerback and be perfectly thrown to the sideline where the safety can't deflect the football. Mario Manningham's feet are going to go out of bounds. He has to catch the ball cleanly, not bobble it over his shoulder. The degree of difficulty of that play, I just knew like the Giants you know at that point had some momentum and uh, the key and and they were only down by two so they could have gotten a field goal and they actually were racking up field goals because they were up by um because they actually got six points earlier and then of course you know Bradshaw runs it into the end zone and I want to talk about that a little bit you know Bradshaw you know what did you think about him you know stumbling in and I thought you know as as a fan of the Giants I thought it was the right decision to put pressure on the Patriots and you can always go wrong with a field goal like Billy Cundiff and and you know miss a chip shot or like the snap could be off or you know well i could say having watched maybe all but the first two super bowls where i was too young to remember and there there have been 46 of them i could tell you the only time i could recall in super bowl history where a team played no defense and essentially escorted they gave him police escort the, the 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 ocean parted belichick wanted the giants to score the only chance they had to win was letting the giants score because they knew if they let the Giants run out at the clock and kick a field goal, they'd have no chance to win. So it, to see Ahmad Bradshaw essentially running, realizing there was no defense, and then trying to go down on the one-yard line, but yet his momentum carrying him in, almost like he was pulled in to the end zone. It was uh, certainly something to see. And watching it real time, I really couldn't tell. For, we were on the opposite end zone. That was like one of the few plays where we were in the wrong end zone to see the play for most of the right in front of us. But when we saw the replay over and over again, it was just a really funny, awkward play to see him go in for a touchdown. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then.